Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Another exciting week in athletics. The NCAA tournament is in full swing. The first weekend is in the books. A thrilling one at that, to say the least. And we have a ton to talk about regarding the first round, the 32, and headed to the Sweet 16. We'll, of course, get to football because we can't have a show without talking the National Football League, as we always say. Nothing circles the wagons quite like that. So wait until we're done talking college hoops for you football heads. I'm sure there's stories plenty abound that we can get into, but we have to start with the NCAA tournament. Games abound for four straight days. Fingers crossed by some miracle. We only had one game postponed because of coronavirus in the first round for a team that wasn't unfortunately going to knock over the headlines for the impact it was going to have on the brackets in the tournament. Brackets have been busted. Dreams have been tarnished. But what's most exciting for our show is Al's Syracuse Orange I would say shock the world, but this is what they do, folks. Jim Beheim, Buddy Beheim, and co. You want to give us a double-digit seed? We'll cruise right into the Sweet 16. Third time they've done this in the past five years, I believe. They're right at home in this position, and they're looking to make some magic and some noise, but they move on to the second weekend to no surprise, at least on this show. And thank God, because ACC Radio on Sirius XM Channel 371 at least has something to talk about for the next week headed into the Sweet 16 weekend. So I'm sure you're excited, although probably not incredibly shocked that your orange are moving on to the Sweet 16. How you like me now, Seth Davis? <laughs> How you like me now? I'm sure he's already picked Houston, and will continue. You know, he he would pick the UConn girls over Syracuse, but he picked the Duke girls over Syracuse. That's for sure. Uh, first of all, greetings to all our friends and listeners. And the the best thing that we saw this long weekend because. Uh, You'll remember, we didn't start when we usually start. We didn't start Thursday, Friday. Uh, we started later, and we went into days for the second round that we aren't used to doing. But the best thing is that we got it back. This is what we lost last year. But now it's back, and better than ever, and more exciting than ever. And yes, the Orange are alive. After they knock off a five seed in San Diego, it should be six seed in San Diego State. And Huggy Bear and Company, West Virginia, with people just call it, they don't even call them Syracuse anymore. They just refer to it as the two three. But regardless, the Buddy Bayheim show rolls on, and now they will take on two seed Houston. But we had a bevy of upsets, some stunners, some I just still I can't believe. I frankly cannot believe that Illinois is out of this tournament. 
to me, this is the kind of upset. Not that I would have, you know, we saw our finally, our, 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 we finally had our one against 16 upset when Virginia went down. But teams who can score are never going to go down as a one seed. So after Illinois got their feet wet and blew out their opponent in the first round game, as miss of a seed as Loyola may have been, probably a five, maybe a six. I never in my wildest dreams. Not only did they did they win, they won the game from tip to final gun, to final whistle, to final buzzer. It was never competitive in terms of you know, Illinois never made a run. It was double digits the whole way. And to me, that's the most even over and above the the, the, the two shocker uh, with the fifteen. I, I just cannot believe Illinois is out of this. The team I picked to go to the finals because they just have a bevy of talent. They were terrific all year in a great conference that's gone belly up. And maybe it wasn't that great a conference after all, although some of the teams I thought were vastly over like Iowa. Michigan, I thought would go down, is still there. I just, I cannot believe what the Ramblers, spurned on by Sister Jean, of course, we beat this team. We beat anybody on this. Looks at we beat this team. We beat anybody on this paper. Not the tournament on this paper. I love the way she put it. But they played a brilliant game from start to finish, offensively, defensively. Illinois point guard had an awful game, which we talk about guards in this tournament. How important they are. We talk about the ability of guards to run their offense under trying circumstances, get everybody involved. Score for the team when they have to. Make sure the team is running properly. Make sure the engine is functioning, just like behind you, as we as we hear the engine roaring in the background. But the point is, it just didn't happen. It did not happen, and that game never. There was never even that run. Like okay, here comes here comes the one seed. Here comes the one seed. They're going to find a way to have this be the game where they pull the rabbit out of the hat. When they look back and say, you always have one scare. Nope, not a scare. A go home. Illinois. One win as a one seed and go home. Still can't believe it. The Q's, run, buddy, run. I have told you and others that I hope by the time he was a senior, he would be as good as Andy Routens was as a senior in 2010. He's probably better now than Andy Routens was as a senior. Because he's got some size to him. He is fearless. He's healthy. Because when we dealt with the virus early in the season, it probably affected him. But he's playing great right now. And the thing that impressed me the most is Syracuse picked him up in the first half, up 14 early after Bam made his first shot, and then did not make it on the shot the rest of the first half. But Joe Girard had a terrific first half. Quincy Gurrier, Dolajay, uh, the freshman helped. Again, nothing, nothing, nothing from Alan Griffin, who is still on the witness protection list. One three-pointer, and that was it. It was that. And Bam hit his first shot, did not make it in the shot in the first half. They still kept the lead. And then he came out smoking in the second half, but Western he came back, took the lead, and then Bayheim answered with two straight threes, and that was it. So the thing that was most impressive to Syracuse about me was Bayheim's. Come back in the second half and their ability 
to fight back after they were caught and passed and then step it back up and put the Mountaineers in the rearview mirror. And they got great contributions from Gerard in the first half, Richmond off the bench in the second half, uh, Braswell off the bench in the second half. He is going to his freshman, which he has been oft criticized for not doing, not going to his bench, very, very short, short runs for his bench. He's leaving these guys in instead of Alan Griffin, who's one of his best players who's been struggling, or instead of Joe Girard. In the you know down the stretch of the West Virginia game, Gerard was not in the game for a good chunk of it. He went with Richmond, and Quincy Gurrier is playing terrific basketball. He's a strong kid. He held his own against the West Virginia side. Dolichet's built like a Q-tip, but he's a gamer, and he knows how to play the game. They're, look, they're, when a team's playing well, it's usually because everything meshes. And right now for Syracuse. Everything has fallen into place. It's become that kind of osmosis. One guy starts knocking down shots, everybody does. When they do a decent job on the boards, they are capable of beating just about everybody. Not everybody, but just about everybody. And that's really the key for them because they're just, they're so small physically. Even Edwards, who has got some height to him, is a thin kid. They just do not have a lot of bulk. So they are prone to very physical teams. That's why I thought West Virginia would give them a difficult run. But West Virginia just did not get the ball inside enough against the 2-3. And Syracuse did a decent job on the glass where they didn't give up a lot of second shot opportunities. They gave up some, but not a lot. And uh, got a little sloppy with the ball down the stretch. Uh, but hung on, as I said to you via text. Fortunately, the game's not 40 minutes in five seconds. 40 minutes was just enough. I felt like a marathon man crawling to the finish line. But the point is they got the job done. Now they move out of the Sweet 16 yet again for the old man. And the tournament is making hay. The only question I have for people is, are you chosen for basketball tomorrow? Or are are you okay with waiting until Saturday? Because we're used to now having our Sweet 16 Thursday, Friday, and our regional final Saturday, Sunday. That's backed up a couple days, too. So waiting a couple days longer. You don't have them on the work days uh, to start. You have them on the work days to finish. So I thought it worked out really well in rounds one and two. Uh, we'll see how it works out in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. But I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for some of these, what I think are going to be some terrific matchups. Um, the Michigan is still there. Like I said, I was surprised. Kansas got annihilated. Now they dealt with the virus. Uh, so I'm sure that debilitated them. UCLA is there and playing very well. I like the way they play. Uh, Nick Croner's got them playing terrific defense, not heavily relying on the three like a lot of these teams. And, you know, Gonzaga's sitting there at the top of the heap. And the the real men, the men's men of Baylor, are rolling along as a one seed, and they are going to be a load for somebody to deal with, uh, whomever. Uh, it, I think I... I think they will come out of that region. I picked Ohio State. Ohio State disappeared, you know, in shocking fashion. Uh, still can't believe they're gone, the two against the 15. I, I thought that they would do real damage in this tournament. They, they disappeared very quickly, uh, as did a good chunk of the Big Ten. So it, it's been terrific so far, and hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, the weekend slate, especially on Sunday, is going to be 
some thrilling basketball. Some of the scheduling and decisions for game times are a little curious, especially on Saturday. We'll get to that. What we've seen in this tournament for some of the teams you've mentioned has been, I don't want to say a shocking lack because we see this every year, but it's shocking to see. You forget how hard it is sometimes for some of these teams to close out basketball games, whether they have the lead or whether they're down a couple points and need to make something happen. We have seen so far in this tournament, several epic collapses toward the end of the second half that has doomed teams. The Rutgers collapse was just the Rutgers collapse is inexcusable. They did everything right until we'll say the last 10 minutes. They're leading by 10, they're up five with four minutes to go. And I don't think they score. What did they score? Maybe two more points the rest of the way. Just collapsed completely. A complete collapse. They have Houston on the ropes. And Houston, a very good basketball team. They're not better than the Houston Rockets, as Charles Barkley would lead you to believe. Their conference isn't great, so they haven't exactly had to face a gamut full of competition. But this is a great success story for Rutgers. Us in the East Coast, the whole side of this country is going nuts for Rutgers, obviously, especially in the tri-state area. And you won't see a worse close to a basketball game than you did against Houston, who somehow was able to survive by three. And it's, it's sort of like a blackjack table in a way, where if one thing goes incorrectly, you screw the whole shoe up, this could either benefit Syracuse having to play Houston because they've seen, hey, Rutgers had them on the ropes. Why not us? Or maybe Houston gets its act together now and is able to handle Syracuse. You're asking Buddy Beheim, of course, to have another great game. I think he had, what, three points in the first half. Here I am. I've, I've ridden him now in the tournament to take the over his point total. I believe the first game was 19. I think they jacked it up to 20 or 21 for the second. I said, that's fine. And he comes out at halftime with three points, give or take. He made his his first shot of the game, came right out, looked like he was going to pick up where he left off at San Diego State. And then he did not make a shot the rest of the first half. (laughs) But then he came right back in the second half and and cranked it up. I thought I jinxed him. They did uh, great in that game. Again, he made the biggest shots too. He made the two threes yep. uh, after the uh, the West Virginia kid had given him the lead, and he was lights out for a good chunk of the second half. Uh, but Bayheim answered, and a couple buckets going to uh, to the elbow, where with a little pull up, uh, one he made, then one he missed, and Dolce snuck in for the offensive rebound. So. What Bayheim has shown is not just the ability to knock down the three, but he's shown the ability to get his own shot at times off the dribble by using his size. He's not afraid to, and is learning more and more, to use the fact that he is bigger than most of the people that are going to guard him in a man-to-man situation. Because I'm not sure how tall he is. I'm hearing he could be as big as six seven. I don't know about that. But you know, I'll tell you who he reminds me a little bit of. Physically, uh, he's not quite as athletic. But in terms of the way he's built and kind of the way he moves, he reminds me a little bit of Mike Dunleavy Jr. 
Champion Mike Dunleavy Jr., by the way, folks. Champion. Yeah. He's got more, he's got better range. Don't forget. Doesn't have the same doesn't have the same strength or athleticism yet, but he's getting bigger all the time. And I'm, you know, he was six four last year. I'm hearing he's six six. Yeah, according to ESPN's little roster bio, they have him at six six. That's a big guard. He gets That's up. A big guard. He gets up too. And he's had games where in the ACC tournament and now definitely in the NCAA tournament, it's not to say that he can't take a little glance over at Jerry McNamara on the sideline, the assistant coach, when he's lighting it up from behind the arc, give him a little wink. Which of the upsets was the most shocking to you? Was it the, was it the 215? Was it Ohio State going down? Uh, which Which one – Jumped off the jumped off of the brackets to you. I think you'd have to put Ohio State right up there as the most shocking upset from the media darlings that were the Big Ten. We were told for most of the season that this was almost the best conference in college basketball history, the way it was being talked about by the media. Oh, the Big Ten up and down the lineup, how deep they are, how great they are. They've got size down low. They've got great guard play. Watch out for the Big Ten. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out for them. And when the dust settles, the only one to get out of there alive is Michigan. It's the one I thought would lose. It's it's incredible how they've underperformed. And we should be able to talk about that as a negative because this is the postseason for college basketball. We do it in all other sports. If you don't perform on the big stage, that's when you get judged. Well, Unfortunately, look, they got a lot of teams in, but this is one of the worst performances. Of these, a bunch of these a bunch of teams made it. But did I think Iowa was going to win? No, I didn't. Did I Well, think, not to win at all, but you could have you no, could have no, said no, no, that no. Iowa did I think Iowa was going to beat Oregon. No. I didn't. I thought I was. Uh, I thought I was incredibly overrated. They got the big kid guards. There's, there's a nice player, but they can't. You know, they, they couldn't guard. You know, they, 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 between them as, as a group, their defense is pathetic. They couldn't guard a statue. Well, they showed and exactly that, show, that. And that showed against Oregon. He scores thirty six points, and they give up ninety five. What are you going to do? Did, did I think Mar- did I think Maryland was very good? No. They they right where I thought they were going to be. They beat yeah. UConn. Yeah. Right. And then they got you know, then, then they got smoked by terrific by you know, taking the woodshed by Bama. You know, Rutgers is exactly what I thought they were. Yeah. But the, the point is, they blew a game. They would have been a nice uh, surprise you know, to have. Purdue was a surprise. Yeah. I thought Purdue would show better, especially you know in Indiana, at home, tough loss. Uh, so. I didn't expect all the Big Ten teams to win in the first round. But to me, you know, Ohio State losing in the first round, Illinois in the second round, again, like I said, is is totally and completely shocking. I never expected Ohio State to even have any competition in that game. And did, did I know their opponent inside out? Of course not. Of course not. But Ohio State had such a consistent good, strong season in a really good league. I expected them to come out, be prepared. And, and, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne, and still Dwayne Washington Jr. got a shot. Yeah. 
he, he had one of and, and you hate this is the problem with this year is it's easy and somewhat fun to poke fun at the losses and the misery when you fill out a bracket and you're mostly doing it in jest. We don't dislike the players. They're kids, they're 18 to 22 year old. I don't Ron want Harper them Jr. to get the these, shot. these ridiculous threats that they get online and, and people coming after them. Relax. It's a basketball game and they're playing it under circumstances we haven't seen in a century's worth of time. He had one of, as we mentioned before, the worst collapses of this tournament. Couldn't buy a basket down the stretch. He's he their guy, stinker. and he, sh- he, he was shooting. He was shooting, and he ends up with the Robert Ory tip-out, wide-open three Perfect. from the top of the key Perfect. to tie Great it and send it in overtime. Same Rick. spot. Oh, Same spot. It's like, it's like Shaq was tipping it up. Same spot. Right there. No, I didn't even have somebody to contest it. Like Ori at least had somebody try. He got a good look, obviously, but this was wide open. Missed Couldn't it. have had a better look. And you hate to you hate to see it if you're an Ohio State fan. You hate to see it if you're a fan of basketball because of what he's meant to the team. But in the you moment, almost, you know, I, I, I'd I rather he would have made it. They lose it overtime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's to the redemption the shot. To, to, Forget to, to about see, what happened see, before that. See it in like that. My goodness, it was brutal to watch. That last five minutes was Rutgers-esque, but just for one player. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And there's other upsets, quote-unquote, that happens. Much has been said about how Loyola Chicago was incorrectly seeded. What surprised me about that game wasn't them being able to win, but it's how they won. And I'm so excited for a certain gentleman on Loyola Chicago. The excitement doesn't come from Sister Jean. The excitement comes from a gentleman that carries around a harmonica in his pocket wherever he goes according to Jim Nance he's got a mustache and he looks exactly like I would look now if I were to head down to the YMCA get in on a little five on five action with a group of Sunday morning, he's the Sunday morning guy he's the guy that's in Adam Sandler's pickup basketball he's playing with Dan Patrick and the Danettes on the Sunday morning shoot around with his, with his size he's the first pick on Sunday morning Cameron Crutwig, ladies and gentlemen, the hero that we didn't know we needed. Even the name is perfect. Even the name is perfect. Everything about him is stupendous. And he took Kofi Coburn, Cockburn, however we're saying his last name now, it's it's changed depending on who's saying it. He took a first-team All-American Big Ten to class over and over and over and the over area. all game long. It was an absolute clinic. Getting it down to this dude either in the post or having him stand up near the, near the foul line, three-point line area, and he had no interest of shooting it from long range. You couldn't have paid him a million dollars for him to take a three-point shot. Absolutely not. I'm out here to pick and roll, to get it to the guards, and to roll to the basket. 
And he comes out and has one of the best games you're ever going to see someone play, especially for someone that Bill Rafferty Rafferty eventually says, I'm not going to call him an athlete, but man, can he he play basketball? He plays like one. (laughs) What an incredible performance. 19 points on nine for 18 shooting grabbing a dozen boards. He's stealing the ball from guards, the best point guards in the big 10. He's swiping it from them. It was a clinic. And if you're that dude on Illinois, that should ride him for the rest of his life. Whenever he's with his boys at the bar, when normal times come and they're rehashing their college days and talking about playing in the tournament Everyone that he knows should bring up the night that Cam Crutwig took his ass to school in the post and made him look foolish. That was an inexcusable performance out of Illinois and their defense for not being able to figure out what Loyola Chicago is doing. It was no secret, Al. They weren't coming out and trying all these. Once that started to work, they didn't go away from it the rest of the game. And I don't know if it was just, I know exactly that it was cockiness. It was Illinois saying, we're better than these dudes. They're in the warm-up line looking at Cam Crutwig shooting layups and shooting it from the top of the key and saying, this dude, this dude, there's no chance in hell he's beating us. And they didn't get out of it and figure it out and throw some, a bucket of water over their heads at halftime to figure out how to guard him. That's the part to me that I couldn't understand how they were so inept to figuring out what he was going to do. And I understand this tournament is different from practicing and we're not able to get on the floor for the first week. You had to spend a lot of it in quarantine, but you're basketball players. You can say the same thing about San Diego state after watching San Diego state against Syracuse. And now I know why the fab five never won a national title because Steve Fisher was working alone. How many years has Dutcher got a coach? You take your best player and you put him in the middle of the 2-3 zone. He didn't do it once. Not once. Best players bombing threes, going to the basket once in a while. Put him, he's the mid he's a middle, you know, mid-sized player. Put him in the middle of the zone. Have him be your decision maker. Get him the ball from the top or entry pass from the wing and let him be the decision maker. He can turn and knock down the 15-footer. He can attack the rim. He can kick it out for threes. He can dump it down low for lay-ins. Didn't do it once. Not once did Coach Dutcher put his best player in the middle of the 2-3. That's where you put your best player. It's not just a question of flashing to the high post. You got to put somebody who can flash to the high post who knows what to do with the ball when they catch it. Besides turn and shoot it or just throw it back. Never did it. Lost. They were lost. Brad Underwood lost. lost. He should be fired. The, the SID should look at that game and say, nah, you had this team, that talent, and you got taken to class by Cam Crow. Now, Loyal Chicago is fresh off the Final Four a couple of years ago. They're a fantastic basketball team. But it's just the way that they were dominated. You know, you score 51, 58 points on offense and have no answers on defense the entire game. 
it was shocking. that's to me why it was the shocker of the tournament. It was Even incredibly more so shocking, than, than and that was the team that everybody I'm thought was coming out of the Big Ten. To that's at least the team the I thought. Four. I thought. I thought they were the team with the best chance to win it. You know, over Gonzaga, I thought they were the team that could play with Gonzaga the best because of their uh, offensive prowess, their athleticism, versatility. Line <laughs> air home. <laughs> I still can't believe it. Still now believe Oregon it. State. I mean, I work for the Pac-12 radio in the morning, playing the hits, hitting them to break, doing all that. No one saw this coming in Pac-12 land. For them to cruise to a Pac-12 tournament championship and then follow that with not one but two wins in the NCAA tournament to add to the Sweet 16, knocking off Oklahoma State and college basketball darling. That's why we call the Conference of Champions, Right. This works the conference of champions. Hey, they they can sit on their soapbox having a quarter of the teams in the in the Sweet Sixteen screaming from the heavens while you can. Bill Walton, get on TV. And, Let us know about it. And the and the most recent well-established program of the Pac-12 is not even in the mix. Nowhere to be found. You know, it was Arizona is home. Yep. Uh, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley home. Oregon. USC. Unfortunately for them, one of them's going home no matter what. Both playing remarkably well, but the point is these are teams that I mean, I always like the Oregon program because I think they have a terrific coach. And I love the way they play. They 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 like to go. They like to get up and down. And they always play well in this tournament. They always play well in this tournament. And I think it's because they play with an enjoyment. They play with a coach who lets them play. They play with a coach who says, go out there, have fun. Let's get up and down. Uh, shoot the three when it's there, but let's attack the rim and let's run. They run. They love to run. And it's a, it's a fun basketball to watch. USC has the Mobley boys who are playing very, very well. Probably the most talented team in their conference. And they have everybody's favorite coach because his wife is gorgeous. And of course, UCLA is playing just solid coach Cronin style basketball. Finally, they are too. defending, rebounding. They stole a game with a great comeback in which they were way down against Tom Izzo's Michigan State squad, Little Caesar the war criminal. And they came back not by bombing threes, but just by getting into their half court offense, clearing out, going back door, playing screen roll, taking advantage of matchups and outworking Michigan state. Tom is screaming at his players. Now there's anything wrong with it. It happens. I'm not going to make a big deal, about him grabbing a kid, but such is life. You know, you go there, you got to expect to get coached hard. And kid missed missed an assignment, in the riot act. But one and done for the great coach Izzo, who's lucky to get in, and another Big Ten mess there. So just so people know that when you say the great coach Izzo, that there's there's a little uh, snark to that. Well, I think he's overrated coach. Yeah, we just want to refresh everybody's memory. You know, in in in, in terms of the talent that he gets. 
Every year, so look at me, look at us. Get his team ready. Gets ready. Gets gets his team ready. Tournament time. Tournament time. His team can't put the ball in the ocean. They always have a game where they they look like they're shooting into a thimble, and they are building brick houses. And it happens year after year. This year, they just they just were very good at all, and. They were lucky to get in, and they had a big lead, and they gave it away. You see, ladies outworked them, outhustled them, and came back and took the game away. They literally just took the game away from them. And that's when you start to worry because his programs are known for putting strangleholds on games and being tough and physical, and they collapsed, and they wilted under the pressure and they disappeared and they're gone. So I wonder how many years coach Izzo has left. Very curious what's going on in East Lansing in that front. Uh, if they think, you know, as long along with the incident of grabbing the player, if they, you know, that, that it might be time. I doubt it. I wouldn't have a problem with, you know, the interaction with the player. No problem with guy coaching my players hard. So my son, I have no problem with him coaching hard. If he screwed up, we didn't ride out. Right. But, I have a problem with the fact that they stink. Well, they haven't won in what, what's it now? It's 21 years since they've won a national championship. I understand the final four. Well, he's only, he's only one. They make it sound like he's won multiple. He's won one. Yeah. Right. He won one national title where he had the Flint bunch, the team. And remember, you know, they beat Syracuse where they beat Syracuse virtually at home. Yeah. I believe it was, I believe it was Auburn Hills. Not sure, but I think it was in Auburn Hills, is where they played them. Because you know it, it was in Michigan. I'm not sure exactly what the arena was, but I, I believe that regional was in Auburn Hills. Right. So, and there was the Mateen Cleves bunch, which was which was a good team, not a great team, but a good team. I always thought Mateen Cleves was incredibly overrated as a college player, and they made trips to the Final Four since, and they've gotten pasted in some of those Final Four trips when they can't score. Yep. They simply can't score. And to me, that's what really separates some of these teams is when it matters, do you have one or two guys who can score? Do you have places to go to get a bucket? Not just a three, but a bucket. Have you got an option down low where you can throw the ball into the post and let that guy go to work? And either get you a bucket or get you to the foul line. Have you got a guy on the perimeter who either off the dribble or off the catch, set him up, you can rely to knock down a bucket at a big spot. And who if handles got, things at you, the end of the game when you have the lead? Not even getting to that point. You have the lead now. Who inbounds it? Who hits the free throws? throws. You need somebody. You got to make your free throws. You must make your free throws. You can't give games away at the foul line, early or late. You must be ready to step to the line and make one at once. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. 
The last inexcusable loss comes in the East bracket, courtesy of the Shaka Smart with hair Texas Longhorns, who somehow found a way to lose 53-52 to Abilene Christian, a team which shot under 30% from the game, a team which shot, I think, 27 more field goals than Texas did, a team that had no business winning that basketball game, but Texas decided to turn the ball over 23 or 24 times. They somehow take a one-point lead down the stretch and have such with Abilene Christian having an opportunity to win the basketball game. A surprising call, I thought, when they put Abilene Christian on the line with 1.2 seconds left. It was off a miss. They were going for the rebound. It's almost like the hail Mary in the NFL where you just don't call a follow there. No matter how much contact there was, it was a follow based on replay. I was shocked that they called it, especially because it was Texas and they lose an inexcusable loss. And now you have, this was year six with Shaka smart who has not won a game in the tournament in his tenure at Texas See ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. You can shave your head if you want. Leave it in the sink. We'll clean it up for you. But he probably had his job saved because last season came to an end. I don't know how he come back from a loss from Abilene Christian. Because then they play UCLA. And again, play like garbage. This is another another of of the young, great coaching superstars who gets the big job and with just incredible talent and incredible athleticism can't do a damn thing with it takes vcu to the final four everybody's darling everybody's great next coach and i look i'm not beating the drum i'm just telling it like it is i've said this many times before and i will continue to say it i understand he picked his nose on national tv i understand he's been there forever i understand He's not a handsome man, no matter how you dress him up. He doesn't have 500 seasons. Never had a losing season. I stopped counting the 20 win seasons. This is his, I believe, 20th trip to the Sweet 16. That's half the time, almost, in the 44 years. It's almost half the time. Five uh, Final Fours, uh, three finals, one and two in finals. But remember, this is a private school. This is Syracuse. It's not Pepperdine. We can tell you the weather ain't great when it's basketball season. Driving up there in negative two degree temperatures to see Jerry McNamara play basketball. Folks, believe me, been there. You don't see Four the campus because you have your head down. It's so damn cold and windy walking stood, to the place. Stood in line at Manly Fieldhouse our senior year for national TV game against St. John's. Marv Albert, Bucky Waters in the house. The coldest day in Syracuse history. 25 below. We lined up at 7 a.m. till the doors opened at noon. Five hours in 25 degree below weather. We waited. Doors opened. Flooded to the seats because, you know, as always, the student seating is on reserve. Got our seats, our fifth row seats. Since we lost the, we, we lost the draw on the straws. The rest of the house comes. 
at noon, takes over. We get our hands stamped, go back home, shower, rest up, have a bite to eat, get primed for the four o'clock tip, back at 3.30, and then we go out and take apart St. John's with a, a very good St. John's team with the eventual Indiana Pacer, George Johnson, uh, Glenn Williams. This was the very first year of the Big East. Syracuse, Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, Seton Hall, Providence, BC. Uh, that was uh, that was your original uh, UConn. That was your original Big East. And St. John's was very good. They had a very good team. They had a terrific shooting guard, about six four, six five, by the name of Glenn Williams. They had George Johnson, who was a uh, about six nine forward, who had an excellent NBA career. And the Rutgers uh, was not in the conference, but they were loaded. Uh, they came to town. We ate them up with uh, Jam and James Bailey. And it was the Manly Fieldhouse before the Dome. It was amazing. 10,000 strong, blowing the roof off the building. Longest home court winning streak in the country. Did not lose at home for my entire four years until, obviously, that final fateful game to Georgetown. And Sleepy Floyd with John Thompson under the world's manly field house is now officially closed the next morning. We hated his guts for it, hated his guts ever since. And that's why we've always said, what the fuck's a Hoya? So they couldn't go out of that tournament soon enough. Glad they were none and done and absolutely obliterated in the first round by Creighton. Not that I was rooting for Creighton, but do, have, will, and forever hate Georgetown. That's my all-time Big East Can't blame you. You have to. But the weather there, obviously, is incredibly cold. It's not like you're going to Pepperdine on the West Coast uh, or you're going to some warm-weather school uh, that's a private school, whether it's uh, somewhere down in Florida. Uh, The point is, yes, we've got a great program, but it's a great program that he has built brick by brick. Absolutely. His first year was my first year, 1976-77. Yes, they had a few videos before that, but this is Jim Beheim's program. And he's never had a losing season. He is second all time. The only reason he doesn't have over a thousand wins is because they took over a hundred wins away from which is ass nine. Uh, but he's you know, take away the losses. He's second second all time behind Coach K. And he would be way ahead of everyone else behind him, if not for those hundred plus wins. Uh, and I'm sure he'll stay around until he gets to a thousand for the second time. And obviously to see his son play one more year. Every time you think it's time and the old man has lost the touch, he goes on one of these runs. Now granted, they're, they're going to be an incredibly long shot to win a national title and even go to the final four. But when you pull the rabbits out of the head and you get to the sweet 16, that's a successful season. Absolutely. When you're an 11 seed. So he doesn't have shock of smart years. Just doesn't. These guys, as soon as they get a little bit of success, they are the next great thing. And then they get the keys to the Cadillac and they can't find a place to park it. You know, they they don't know how to drive it. Got to figure it out. So now we've got your Syracuse Orange playing at what I find to be a distasteful time on Saturday. I love it because it gives them all day to think about that day three. Well, and I'll enjoy it because, as you know, the John Lund hours extend well into the evening and are Indeed more suited for the Pac-12 than they are right for time the East is the right Coast. time. But 
Loyola Chicago, Arizona, Oregon State kick off things at 240. I think Loyola Chicago will finally end this magical run for the Oregon State Beavers. But hey, who am I to say? Who am I to say after what they've done to this point? Never count them out. Baylor Villanova at 515. I, I like Baylor to keep rolling. Arkansas against Oral Roberts. I would be surprised if Oral Roberts continues their dream, but who knows against Arkansas, 725. And then we have to wait till 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard to see Houston take on Syracuse. What are they doing to the East Coasters, Al? Your guys, Adam Shine. I would say Jason Horowitz is another one, but he's over in L.A. doing the Westwood game, so he'll be awake. Uh, Nick Wright, he's not staying up for that. He's got Nick's even up, though it's uh, the Nick's weekend, up all night. he's got things Nick, to do. Nick's up, Nick's up all night. Joe Biden, he, Syracuse grad, he's not. Nick's watching that. NBA stuff until three o'clock. In the He'll morning. be okay. I was just he surprised just that fine. they waited to put the East Coast team. Uh, considering the fact, it's, considering the fact, you know, the President of the United States yeah. might want to watch. Give a call. He pick up the phone, Joe. What's the best? What's the best time for you? Mr. President, what's the best time for you? Pick up the phone. So that'll be a little annoying. Plus, it's on TBS. What does CBS have going on a Saturday night? Take the news off. They should have all five, all four games on their network, to be honest with you. I know they want to get the numbers going to TBS, but come on. TBS will be playing movies or something exciting. You're going to be ruining people's nights. Date night, Saturday. Sunday, I think, hard to argue. We've got the best games going total. Gonzaga Creighton at 210, Michigan, Florida State a 1-4 at 5, Alabama, UCLA at 715, and tip of the cap to the Pac-12 fans at 945, 645 their time, USC, Oregon. Every game almost must watch. USC, Oregon has a chance to be a tremendous game, as does Florida State. And Alabama. Yep. That to me is an intriguing game. You know, I love Alabama. Um, Coach Oates has them playing uh, analytic style, dunk slash layups and threes. They're incredibly athletic. They can just blow you out of the building in a heartbeat. Florida State. Florida State will be playing Michigan, Alabama. I'm sorry. Um, just to, I'm, I'm sorry. UCLA is playing terrific. Yeah. And they are not going to go, they're not going to run up and down with Alabama. That's not the Cronin style. So we have two divergent approaches. So that makes for a great matchup. And UCLA has been just rugged. They have been tough. They have played, you know, old school, get in your face, not afraid to get dirty, get physical. Uh, UCLA cuts, backdoor, screen roll. Three when it's there, and really a, a much different style than Alabama. So that makes for an interesting matchup. Florida State, Michigan. I thought Florida State would be here. I think Michigan would be here. And Florida State is just a, a confounding team. Incredibly athletic, but sloppy with the basketball. So much. So much. It's it's so disappointing. And it's I mean, continued. You know, it's it started in the tournament. The ACC ACC twenty tournament, turnovers is the norm. 
It's so bad. It'll kill you in these games. And it will kill them in the first half. 24 to 20? We're going into halftime? <laughs> Colorado played one of the worst halves you could play in college basketball. And they're down four headed into the half. What's going on over here, Florida State? Now they put the pedal down and turned it on and ended up winning by 18. So it looked a little bit better. But that was one of the worst first halves you're ever going to see. You can't do that against Michigan. And I picked Florida State to go to the Final Four. Now I didn't even I didn't even have them beating Michigan. You know, I had them beating. Uh, they haven't beating. You know, beating Kansas. But the point is, Kansas. Oof. I'm worried about Florida State's ability to score. Yeah. And Michigan showed me a lot, even though I didn't like them. They showed me a lot without their best player. The two and 86 points respectively coming out of Michigan, especially doing it against LSU, who proved to be a, a strong team in, in their tournament, at least gave, gave without, me a second with, look. And they did that without their best offensive yeah. player. So, and he I might be that, back. Maybe he's it's supposedly going to be a miracle if he returns for this, at least the first game. And I'm assuming the second, since they're close together, we'll see. But hey, after two games, they proved we're, we're fine. We're good. I think it bodes very well for them because my, I'm always concerned about Florida State's ability to shoot the basketball because at times they just struggle. Now, the other game, obviously, I'm, of course, incredibly interested in the Syracuse game, but uh, another game that I find interesting, Baylor against Villanova. Villanova shorthanded without Gillespie, so you don't give them even a chance in this game. But will Jay Wright find a way? I'm not even going to say to win it. Will Jay Wright and his charges find a way to compete? I can see it being close for a while, but Baylor just goes on one of those stretches where they completely shut you down defensively, dominate the glass, one and done, and it's a 20 to four run, and there's your game. The disappointing thing for me to close out is the path that. Gonzaga now has to the final four where in the elite eight, they'll face competition regardless in either USC or Oregon. But it was disappointing for Virginia having to opt out of the ACC tournament because of coronavirus, not being able to practice all week, getting to Indianapolis on Friday, getting tested all day. They would have annihilated. They would have annihilated Virginia. Virginia yeah, but I, I at least think it's a better they would have competitive beaten Virginia, matchup than They Creighton. would have beaten Virginia by 20. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather see them there than Creighton? I think they're going to do the same thing for Creighton. I think Virginia beats Creighton, and then you never know. Kicks Gonzaga into teeth for a half, and maybe they get a, a scare, because for now they've had zero. And I'm curious to why people would enjoy rooting for this Gonzaga team. Here we go again. Because... Th- you watch Here them we play, go again. and they're so fucking cocky. Deservedly so. They haven't lost a basketball game yet. Ride that off into the sunset. But they've got that dude, Timmy, with his Fu Manchu mustache, and the only reason he has it is to be an asshole. You have a mustache like that if you want to say, look at me. You know who has a mustache and needs it? My boy, Cam Crutwig, he's wearing that mustache because it fits him. He's not wearing it to be and an of asshole. Course, and, of course, Adam Morrison had a mustache. Yes, he did. 
Yes, he did. We just want to know what she's wearing all Harkins And back. you know why? Hark- Adam Morris and Adam Mustache. Because he's an asshole. To my partner's out and out hatred. Strong word, but true. Strong dislike. Strong because dislike. he won the player of the year award. Yeah. And you know where he ended up, Al? Sitting on the floor in tears because he couldn't close out a game against UCLA. We want to talk about closing out basketball games. And he won they player shit of the year down their leg. Over, he won the Wharton Award over who? J.J. Redick. Potentially From what school? A new Brooklyn Net. From what school? From Duke. There we go. So what happens back you know why Adam Morrison had a mustache? Because he was an asshole. He had that long hair, and he wanted to show off. The John Gonzaga hatred harkens back to one simple fact: Adam Morrison hey, beat out what do you want me JJ Raddick for the John Wooden Player of the Year award, and that's it. You got that's Drew it. Timmy with his Fu Manchu look at me mustache. You've got the token white three-point shooter just draining shots over and over when he's hot. Corey Kispert, sometimes he can't miss, and he's showboating down the court after he scores his threes. Look at me, look at me. Jalen Suggs, oh, they're freshmen, best point guard in the league, finally have somebody to lead the way for them. How the hell does anybody like this team? These are the Kevin Durant Warriors. You should want them out of here. Well, you're well, going to find joy Kevin in this, Warriors, in this team win? Or Kevin Durant got there. What joy it's are you going to find if this team wins? That's all I want to know. That's all I'm asking. What joy can be found in Gonzaga? Before you winning? can be the Durant Warriors, you got to win. Haven't won it yet. I don't see it. And because there were so overwhelmingly favored. This isn't the Cinderella Gonzaga team, which Adam Morrison's team probably could have been. Well, everybody get excited for the games on Saturday and Sunday. It has been a thrilling tournament so far with both the upsets, which everyone enjoys. And now hopefully some of the better teams start kicking it into gear because upsets are all well and good until the end rounds start coming. That's when people want to see the talent come along and and we will you. see if Gonzaga can make another trip to the final four and be only two games away from being the first team since the 1975-76 Indiana Hoosiers to run the gauntlet and go undefeated from pillar to post. Uh, well, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Indeed it is folks for my part of the great John tiny Lond, I am L Renato AKL from white plains. Enjoy the NCAA tournament and have a great sports weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.